0: Well, my friends, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the Scripture and turn with me to the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. We are in chapter 2 here this morning. I wonder if you've ever been just sitting on the couch or, you know, or maybe laying in bed and looking at your phone, maybe watching a YouTube video, and then it finishes. And there's a moment where the screen just goes blank And suddenly, there's this reflection of you right in the midst of it. You were watching something else, but suddenly you saw yourself. That is Revelation chapter 2 and and chapter 3. We're going to read some letters written for for particular churches at a particular time in history. But, my friends, the point of reading these is that we might find ourselves in them. Now, these are difficult letters to read, my friends. And why ought we to study this book anyway? Let's face it, everybody knows Revelation is hard. Well, I'll tell you, first and foremost, because it is the Word of God. And a wise person will do what they can to dig deep and work hard to understand God's Word. And second reason is it's promised blessing to those who read it out loud and obey it. But that's true about all of God's word, isn't it? Those who hear his word and obey it are indeed blessed. But thirdly, it brings encouragement to believers who face adversity because that is the context of the book of Revelation, people are enduring great, great sufferings. And I'm not talking about inconveniences because their car's been in the shop all week long. My friends, their lives are on their line as they stand for Christ. And lastly, my friends, there is application for your life right here, right now. Seven churches, seven letters. We're only going to look at four of them today for the sake of time. We'll pick up the last three next week. Seven churches. Why only seven? I mean, we talked about this last week, you know, that this, this letter is addressed to seven churches in Asia. We got a map up here, don't we? Five, four, three, two, one. Is it there? Raise your hand if you see a map. All right, thank you. I appreciate that feedback, by the way. (laughs) And you look and you see all of these churches here, but there's a couple of them in red that aren't addressed. So it wasn't to every church that was written there. Well, my friends, it was written for all the churches, particularly focused on these seven. And you might ask, why seven? Go ahead. Why seven? Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, my friends, there are obviously more than seven. The two that are particularly missing are Hierapolis and Colossae. But the first reason is could this, uh, the selection of seven symbolizes completeness. And particularly as we read through this book, we have already seen that the, the seven spirits is referring to the Holy Spirit, the completeness, the wholeness of the Holy Spirit of God in his presence Seven, my friends, very important. But my friends, that's not the only reason. This seven implying completeness implies that he is addressing the whole church through these seven. Sunday to Saturday, my friend, the whole week and everything in between, every church that has ever existed in all of church history, is to be found in these seven churches. The second reason, at the end of each letter, is the instruction, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's addressing each particular church, and at the end of the letter to each particular church, he says, let, the spirit, let, them, let you listen carefully that you might hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's for all of us. And the word that God has for these churches, he has for us today. Every church that ever existed is representing, represented in this address. But again, not just every church, every believer God is addressing you here this morning through his word and where you may or may not be this morning so listen carefully the first letter that we see here in verse 1 is addressed to the church at Ephesus and there is a pattern through every one of these letters for every one of these churches it starts with an introduction Referencing what has been said about Jesus in this image of him in in chapter 1. To the angel of the church at Ephesus. What's this angel business? Well, let's do a little uh, uh, entomology here. Now, that's bugs. (laughs) Etymology, right? Yes. That's words. And the word angel literally means Messenger. And what is the primary duty of an angel? Say it. Messengers. Yeah. So perhaps this is addressed to a pastor, the main messenger of a church. Perhaps it is addressed to an angel. Why in the world would any of this be addressed to angels? No, no, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. But we know it's addressed to the church. And there is a message that each of these churches needs to hear. And notice this this reference again to chapter 1, this vision of Christ. Remember the the outline of the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ is found in chapter 1 in verse 19. Where John is instructed by Jesus to write the things which you have seen, this vision of Jesus. The things which now are which is chapters 2 and 3, writing to the churches, the things that are happening right now at the time of this writing. And then we get to 4, chapter 4 to the end, the things which must soon come to pass, the things that will come to pass, my friends. So when we get to chapter 4, I want you all bring a buckle to buckle up for, okay? Going to get some good revelation here. Okay, so friends, as we dive in here, we'll follow just that pattern. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in the right hand and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. And, and what is that? What are we talking about here? This, this was already laid out in chapter 1, and it was defined there as well. The seven stars, <laughs> hmm. and the seven golden lampstands. It is the Lord Jesus who is walking among the churches. And he says here in verse 2, I know your works. Let's pause there for just a moment to be rough-minded. That there is nothing concealed to God. There are no secrets when it comes to God. He knows your thoughts. He knows the intention of every action and word that comes out of your mouth. He knows it all. He knows the struggles. He knows the doubts. He knows it all. And so he He alone is qualified to address such things. And take a look to the angel of the church at Ephesus, write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his hands, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works. And he says, your toil and your patient endurance. These two words are one word in the Greek, and it literally means fortitude patient, endurance, long-suffering, day after day after day after day. That's what he's talking about. And the Lord Jesus says to the church, I know this. You wake up to fight that battle every single day. And notice... He says, I I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. Bunch of phony fakes out there, plastic, banana, good time, rock and rollers, I'll tell you that. And my friends, you need to know the difference. What is true and what is not? What is the scale by which you evaluate truth, my friends? The greatest scale is the Word of God. And even at this very moment, you ought to be looking at your Bibles and listening and saying, Is what he is saying scriptural? Is it the Bible? Because this guy ain't flawless. Test it. Everything, you turn on the radio, it doesn't matter if they're playing the good time tunes of the, uh, today's automotive world. <laughs> it don't matter what station it is. You evaluate what they say. You test it. But these folks have endured patient endurance, and they have tested those who called themselves apostles, but were not. Look at verse 3, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up. And what has been their motivation to wake up and do it one more day? The scripture says, for my sake, for my name's sake, for the sake of my reputation, that when people come after the word of the people of God... When people come after the people of God, the world watches. And they say, good, we get to see what these people are made of. Are they a bunch of phony balonies? Or are they the real deal? Let's hear what comes out of their mouth. Let's see where they run. Let's see if they stand. and Let's watch their demeanor as they do it patiently bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary how's that possible Um, i would suggest to you they did it not only for the right reason but in the right power and it wasn't their own And you could say, in, uh, in Jesus' name, amen, let's go on to the next church. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says in verse 4, Having commended them, he now chastens them, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. And I tell you this, my friends, I ask you this question: all of this patience enduring, all of this working hard for the glory of God, What meaning does it have if you have not love? If you have not love, I think James talked about that. Yeah. was it James? Eh, it's in there somewhere. little Prago Bible. It's in there. <laughs> you can look that one up later. My friends, they lost their first love. In all of their fighting, in all of their enduring, and all of their standing, they forgot to love the one who first called them. There's a big difference between this and a big hug. Yes, we'll do whatever you say, Jesus. But where's the love? You see that big mirror showing up lately here? You hold up the Word of God and suddenly you have this opportunity to evaluate your own condition. Something I heard early on as a believer, which is very helpful as we study these things, is to ask this this question about yourself. If someone accused you of being a Christian, would they be able to find enough evidence to convict you? In your words, in your habits, in your actions. Hmm. Chastening. You've abandoned. And the word is neglected. Neglected. You just set it aside and walked away. Yeah, I know you used to. Remember those days when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ? Remember the passion and the excitement and the habits that followed? What happened to that? Come, you don't read your Bible like that anymore. Come, you don't pray like you used to. What changed? Well, Jesus offers them some counsel. But I have this against you, he says. Yeah, how about verse 5? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Go back to the beginning, make a list, and repent. You know what the word repent means? It means turn around. 180 degrees, my friends, and go back. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, the Lord Jesus says to the church, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the words, uh, the, the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Nicolaitans has something to do with people and their authority and putting their, thrusting their authority on others, lording over people. That is not love, my friends. And notice again here, it says, you hate the works of the Nickelodeons. Nickelode- Nickelode- and Jesus says, and I hate those people too. I hate the works, is what he said. You hate the works? Yeah. Yeah. And he who has an ear, listen carefully. He who has an ear to hear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. And look at that. We're only in chapter two, referencing the end of the book. You want to be there at the end of the book? Heed the word of God. So no amount of suffering or sacrifice or service can make up for neglecting your love for Jesus. Boy, if you hear anything this morning, hear me when I say this. No amount of suffering and enduring and putting up with and stepping one more step once at a time can make up for neglecting your love for Jesus. That's the whole point, isn't it? It ought to be. What's the great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. The whole point is love. Well, then we come to the next church, the church of Smyrna. And here again is that snapshot of Jesus from chapter 1. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. And here's a commendation for them. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. Hmm, What does he mean by that? From the world's standards, they have nothing. But from God's perspective, they are wealthy. So I know your tribulation and your poverty and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer, is the counsel. Behold, this is God's plan for their life. What is God's will for their life? Listen carefully. Behold, the devil is about to throw you so some of you into prison that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death. The will of God for your life is you're going to suffer and you're going to die. How does that sit for you? I know that it's the will of God for all of us. It was the will of God for these people which means it's on the table. Hmm. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear to hear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The expectation for you by the Lord Jesus Christ is that you be faithful whatever the cost, whatever the loss, whatever the pain, how very inconvenient it may be to you, my friend, and it may change the feelings of people about you, whatever the cost, my friends, endure it. I mean, that's what Jesus said before. We shouldn't be surprised by it, right? I mean, in Luke 14, verse 26, Jesus says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. If you love that guy more than you love me, you can't be my disciple. Because what Jesus says is, I want it all. Not just Sundays. Not a couple of hours through the week. I want it all. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot, cannot be my disciple. In John chapter 21 and verse 15. We read, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. What a classic tale here. What a great insight into just the reality of these disciples. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, well, of course I love you more than these people do. Oh, Peter, (laughs) look at this. He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was insulted. Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. <laughs> well, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And John does a little editing here, and he says, this, is, this he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. In other words, he's going to be crucified, just like Jesus, eh, upside down. And after having said these things, you're going to die a slow and painful death, Peter just like me. Go and follow me. Well, Peter turned and saw the other disciple, you know, the one who Jesus loved, the guy writing this, John. The one who leaned back against him at the Lord's Supper and said, well, Lord, what what about this guy? I mean, who's going to betray you? And Peter said to him, he said, well, Lord, what about this guy? What about John? And Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Suppose this guy dies in his sleep having had a really nice supper with friends. What is that to you? Now, there was a little confusion and a rumor went around telling, well, John's going to live forever. John won't die until... But that's not what he said. He said, stop looking at other people. Stop comparing what others have or don't have. You follow me. Well, then there's the church at Pergamum, verse 12. You know what? Let's stop here. Let's just let this seep into our hearts here today. We've looked at two churches here today that have suffered and endured. One of them, they forgot their first love. They just, they just neglected him. We're so busy, we don't have time for such things. It's why we get here early on Sunday mornings, it's why these live these worship team prayerfully working hard selecting this music to draw your heart to Jesus it's why we engage because my friends if we neglect our first love what's the point of anything else what's the point you tell me love the lord your god Whatever it cost, make a stand for him, test those who teach you that you might know the truth, and then stand. Live for him, whatever the cost.